Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Policy Matters. This is Eric Allen, and I'm joined with my co-host, Nicole Horn. Hello, everyone. Happy Indictment Tuesday. Another uh, it, one. <laughs> it, is, it is August 15th, uh, and at 11 o'clock last night, we found out the details of an indictment that was handed up at 9 p.m. in the Fulton County Courthouse, and it looks like um, the the work, the grand jury work, of District Attorney Fonnie Willis is done, and now we move on to uh, to the indictment part. So, um, you know, before we get too much into the the banter and the back and forth of it, Nicole, I know that it's a it's a very lengthy and complicated uh, case. I mean, this is a, a RICO case where she's basically yeah. charging uh, Donald Trump and his co conspirators with basically gang related charges. I mean, it's an organized crime unit. And it was interesting to me, so where the federal indictment, and there's a lot of overlap between the two, where the federal indictment was just 40-some pages, this is 90-some pages with 161 counts. And it was interesting to read. I was I was surprised, Eric, to read that things like tweets were used as examples of um, – parts of the conspiracy, but it's, it's pretty holistic. So. Well, and the thing on that is that, I mean, it doesn't have to be a crime. It just has to be activities in furtherance of, of a crime. crime. Is, yeah, that's exactly what, right. What makes the RICO statute. So, um, so, you know, so daunting and it's, it's, it's just ironic. And I just have to put this out there as a former member of the general assembly. Um, you know, I can tell you that I did not support any legislation that had mandatory minimums uh, in it. Um, I was there for a lot of the new sweeping um, gang related bills that were put out by Republicans and signed by this current governor. And I just find it extremely ironic that two of the four cases that the former president is facing, uh, the documents case is based on legislation that he signed into law. And now in Georgia, he's facing some very strict penalties with mandatory minimums because of the Georgia GOP. Which, uh, no, one, no one is talking about the mandatory minimums, Eric. Yeah, five years. Five years mandatory minimum if convicted of RICO, a RICO charge. And the governor in the state of Georgia does not have the ability to pardon. So you That's would right. have to serve those five years at a minimum before you're able to be pardoned or commuted for the rest of your sentence uh, by the by the uh, uh, parole board. So because it's a, it's a panel, it would be a panel that does the pardoning in Georgia. And you're you're saying what I read, which is you have to serve at least five years before they will consider there, it. There is nothing that I, I, I've heard that uh, Republicans in Georgia are already talking about legislation this coming up session to give the governor pardoning authority. If that's not just ridiculous, I have no idea what. What is, but I, you know, it's, it, it's a very, uh, wide case. There are 19, um, co-defendants. So there's, it's Trump plus 18. Um, and the names range from people you have never, ever heard of to those that were at the top of the, the food chain with Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, uh, you know, so, some of the others, but, um, yeah, Nicole, let, let's walk through the indictment. I know you're really good at doing the research and doing those types of things, but let's, Let's, let's walk through and kind of talk about what we're what we're up against, what we're facing and looking at. Okay. Well, let's I'll give an overview. So there are 161 indictments, uh, pieces, and um, 
eight ways in which defendants were accused of obstructing the election by lying to Georgia state legislature, lying to state officials, creating fake pro-Trump electors, so the, the fake electors, harassing election workers. And some of y'all may remember specifically two Fulton County election workers, um, a mom and her daughter were harassed and they sued Giuliani over this. And he then later admitted to lying, uh, soliciting Justice Department officials, soliciting Vice President Mike Pence and breaching voting machines and engaging in a cover up. And that is listed more specifically in Coffee County. So We've talked about the RICO charge, and and we'll say again that RICO charge was initially created in Georgia, well, expanded in Georgia, to really tackle um, gang activities and the requirement for something to be a RICO charge. And so RICO helps take separate criminal and in some cases not criminal, but as you were saying, Eric, forwarding criminal activities and kind of tying a rope all around them and 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 lifting it up as a conspiracy. And in order to move a RICO case forward, you have to prove two predicate crimes. And a predicate crime is one of the 43 crimes listed in Georgia's RICO statute. So that's that's kind of the overview of what we were looking at. Yeah, and it's it's going to be like you said it's 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 going to be very complicated. I know that you know last night Fani said that she uh, wanted to try all nineteen at the same time. It's just very I I just it's going to be interesting to see how that all comes together because this is going to be a very very complicated case for people to understand. Let let alone for a jury to be able to you know consume all that information with with nineteen people. But you know I I, I think you know. When looking at this indictment and the number of people, I would be very shocked if 19 people make it to the trial. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I would I would not be shocked if people are, are getting lawyers this morning and lining up and going, all right, so what kind of deal can I can I make? Um and become state's witness. And the 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 risk for the former president in all of this is that the if if that happens, you know, he's been very good in all these other cases because it's been very narrow in scope. Um He's been able to say, well, I'll pay for your lawyer and keep you, you know, keep you close. You know, Walt Nada with the documents yeah. came from the other gentleman. You know, I'll, I'll pay for your legal team. I'll do all this other stuff. But you can't pay for two lawyers, three lawyers for 18 people. Um, you know, we talked last show about how his campaign is basically a criminal defense fund. Uh, th- this will accelerate that and put it on steroids. And I think people are going to have to really look at this. As I said earlier, there are some people in here that. Are, are, are your neighbors, the people you see at, at Publix. Yeah. Um, the Coffee County, the yeah. Coffee County chair of the Republican Party is in that. We have a handful of state legislators. Yep. Are well, listed in that. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a hodgepodge of people who I think are going to be, want to save their own tail uh, and may, may actually cut, cut and run. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting um, next couple of weeks. Um, and I think the other thing that, you know, that's going to make this different is the fact that it's in state court, Nicole, and that it's going to be televised. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, you know, think of the OJ Simpson yeah. trial in state court in yeah. California. Think of, um, you know, the, 
the the guy in North Carolina that that was convicted of murdering his family. I uh, can't remember his name right now, but that was all on TV. All these things play out. Hell, hell the Johnny Depp case. I mean, yeah. everybody watched that on TV. When you're in state court, it's a lot different than federal court. And I think it's going to be extremely interesting to see how people react to seeing Donald Trump stand in front of a judge in a, an environment that he doesn't control and basically have to tell the truth. Uh, you know, his arguments are going to have to be facts based. And that's something that, you know, I, I was uh, I was reading. He's already come out and said that on Monday he's going to do a big press conference to yes. prove that there was corruption, um, you know, in Georgia. And what's what's funny is the first rebuttal to his truth or retruth or truth. I don't know what you call it now, but the first rebuttal was response by Brian Kemp, our governor in Georgia, basically doubling down and saying, no, there was no fraud. Thank you for playing. Um, you know, you're going to have to go to court. And, and the reason I bring that up, Nicole, is I think it's, it's important for people to understand what you're going to see on Monday is not under oath. There is no obligation to the facts. It is a pure PR stunt. And I said it on the last episode. If, if the former president really believed that there was fraud and he needed to prove it, he would wait until he had his day in court and prove it under oath and have people swear under penalty of perjury, that what they're saying is true. Anything short of that, people, is not the truth. I'm just going to say it. Any, anything short of being sworn in to uh, tell the truth with a penalty of perjury hanging over Donald Trump or any of his lawyers' head is pure spin. And it's part of the campaign apparatus and not part of the legal apparatus. Yeah, yeah. Well, and let's go back to this legal apparatus because – Prosecutors, to put together a racketeering indictment like this, have collected all of these individual actions. They mention the emails. They mention the phone calls. They mention the uh, the tweets. And his defenders are going to say, that's just free speech. That is completely free speech. But you can't push free speech when what you are doing is trying to encourage people like Raffensperger to do whatever he needs to do to tilt things in his direction. When you're asking Pence not to not to move forward the process and even these smaller overt acts that alone would be considered free speech when they're meant to further the goal of the larger conspiracy, they fall up and tie into RICO. So each overt act may not be a separate crime, but when they're considered together, they help, they're going to help Fannie Wills tell a detailed stories of how many steps went into the complex crime. It's also interesting that she doesn't have to show that all the acts took place in her jurisdiction. Rather, right. if you're part of a plan to overthrow the Georgia election and you never even set foot in Georgia or specifically Fulton County, you could be charged and prosecutors in the state pursued evidence of a conspiracy in several other states. So uh, it's it's that's, her. That's, it's, the, that's the beauty of this RICO uh, yeah. instrument and why DAs like it, like it so much. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be extremely, you know fascinating like i said to see how this um all comes together and you know you you make the free speech argument and i'm just gonna i'm gonna give you the rebuttal real quick and real simple i want everybody listening if you believe in free speech 
<laughs> I know what you're going to say. Go to, your, go to your, your uh, you know, hell, go to your church. Go to your local bank. Go anywhere. And just look somebody in the eye and say, give me all your money or I'm going to shoot you in the head. Yes. That's not free speech. Yeah. That is in, that is speech in, in, in commission of a crime. I mean, you're basically committing a crime by doing that. Just because it doesn't happen, your speech can also be a crime. Well, the, I mean, they specifically, one of the highlights of the indictment is Trump uh, was charged with soliciting a public official to violate his oath. And that Absolutely. relates to the December 2020 phone call to David Ralston, the then Speaker of the Georgia House, who has since passed away. And Mr. Uh, Trump's and uh, Trump, <laughs> not Mr. I'm not going to give him the Mr. Trump wanted Ralston to call lawmakers back into session to support the fake slate of electors, which, which is Ralston refused. Well, which is which is which is just asinine because the speaker doesn't have the power to call a special session. Only the governor can call a special session. So he put the same pressure on the governor as well uh, uh, to do that. He put the same pressure on the lieutenant governor. Um, yeah. So and, I. It's 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 a it's a lot there, and I, I think that you know when you look at those things piece by piece, like you know, like we've said, getting people to understand that they don't have to be a crime; they just have to be an activity in furtherance of the crime. They just have to be helping out to get to the crime, and and that's where the the, the crime, as I read the indictment, is to overturn the election. That was yeah. the, that was the ultimate goal was to. To do that. Now, all the things that happened in the middle, the witness intimidation, we haven't talked about how, you know, Miss Moss and Miss Freeman were, were terrorized, basically. Yeah, and the they, they had to go into hiding. Yeah, the two individuals that really that met with them at a at a Cobb County police precinct, basically saying, look, you better come clean and say you, you, you fix you, you stole votes or else we can't protect you. I mean, that's mafia type stuff. Yeah, uh, and I, I think uh, Mary Trump. Uh, who we all know as Donald Trump's niece, who's been very open about the family. She put out a tweet last night that said he's been the the head of an organized crime unit for you know <laughs> for, for how for, long? For yeah, for decades. Um, it's just now catching up to him, and I think this is the the natural conclusion for someone who has enjoyed the privilege um, and gotten away with so much throughout their life. So. John and I, for those of you who don't know, when I say John, John is my sweet and wonderful supportive husband. <laughs> John and I were talking about this indictment and the federal indictment this morning and what John asked, and I did a little research on that, is if you legitimately believe your lie, if you're like, no, I am speaking the truth, no matter what you say, I am speaking the truth. So my 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 statements to the public don't uh don't go anywhere even when i was giving brad raffensberger all when i said you have to find these votes it was on the heels of him listing all the ways he believed that uh fraud had occurred in georgia and so the find your votes were here are the 18 ways i believe fraud was committed in georgia you just have to prove one of them. So in the fuller context, it doesn't sound as bad as when you just talk about find your votes. But the question was, if he is delusional, is is that, would that 
uh, point towards a criminal intent to create a conspiracy. So I had to do a little research because I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. Will, will that be protection? Do we have to actually prove that he doesn't believe it, that he knows he lost? Do we have to prove this? And I found this great article um, from The Hill on this that was written by Lawrence Tribe and Dennis Aftergut. And they specifically said that uh, that is not, that is actually not a defense. The law distinguishes between, I'm going to retail this, the law distinguishing between refusing to accept inconvenient truth to get your way and mental disturbance sufficient to excuse illegality between adopting strategic blindness and not knowing your facts from a hole in the ground. So judges commonly instruct juries that willful blindness to facts in front of you establishes criminal intent. And the example they give is a drug courier handsomely paid to carry a closed package into the United States doesn't get off the hook by saying, I never looked inside. Um, and I share this because I think that this will be a common defense we'll hear over and over and over again, is there was no criminal intent to what he was doing because he truly believes he won the election. Yeah, but, yeah, but. <laughs> no, it's baloney. He yeah, shouldn't. I get, get that. But so so let's just go back. And once again, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cite some recent case law that I think is gonna blow that up that people are gonna, you know, say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson didn't go to jail for murder, which most people think he did. You know, he, he was guilty. Really? I remember uh, him being found not guilty. Oh no, he was he was not guilty, but that's not innocent. <laughs> not guilty is not innocent. <laughs> Exactly. Not guilty is not innocent. I love that, Eric. That's so true. (laughs) Not guilty is not equal innocent. But what OJ Simpson went to jail for, if you recall, was robbery. And what did he steal? He said that people in Las Vegas took memorabilia that was his. He firmly believed it was his. And he went in at gunpoint and took that stuff back because it was his. He firmly believed that oh, it was his. I do not but, remember this. That's crazy. <laughs> but he went to jail for that. Okay. Uh, also, just another, I'll keep it the bank analogy. I can sit here today and go, all of the money, I firmly believe over the years, SunTrust slash Truist has ripped me off. And or name the bank. I'm not saying that SunTrust or Truist has, has ripped anybody off, but you know, and so all the money that's in the branch around the corner for me belongs to me. So I'm gonna go reclaim it because you know what? That's mine. I guarantee you I will end up in a federal penitentiary <laughs> if I what I believe is rightfully mine. So just believing it does not make you able to take action. Once again, if you believe it. You go through the court system and you try to get that remedy, which we talked about last week. Was it 61 courts said no, it was no fraud? Yeah. So so just think about that. Like I said, just think about that once again when you see this this circus on Monday. Um, you know, and 
at some point, and the political piece of this is just baffling to me, Nicole, because it, it, you know, this is this is still the front runner for the Republican nomination for president of the United States. Let's just mm-hmm. you know, and and you look at 90, 91 charges in four states. Uh, and just as a side note, I thought it was hilarious for baseball fans. A commentator last night said he's been indicted in every city of the NL East, um, which you know is the Atlanta Braves, the Washington Nationals, the New York Mets, and the Florida Marlins. <laughs> so in every jurisdiction within that baseball conference, he's been he's been indicted. But anyway, but you got 91 charges in four states, uh, and and you you've got to stop and ask yourself if you were looking to do business with someone or you were looking to hire someone, would you hire someone that was indicted in four different jurisdictions with 91 charges hanging over their head? And I would argue the answer is no, but yet yeah. people are still willing to give him a vote. And, 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 and the, the rationale I've heard them say is that, well, you know, he's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, yes and no. Yes, he is innocent until proven guilty, but I think that cuts both ways. Uh, there are plenty of people who have been presumed in, uh, guilty before they even had their trial date. Oh, I forgot. One of those situations was Donald Trump taking out a full page ad on the Central Park Five uh, before they even had a day in court and influencing their trial so much. For those of you who don't think that what he's doing now will influence a jury and influence the legal system, I point you to the Central Park Five where Donald John Trump single handedly helped put those men in prison and they were not guilty. Now they're the exonerated five. Um, so, so the whole thing, you know, all these talking points that are coming out, um, you know, I heard Lindsey Graham last night uh, on the Trump propaganda network, you know, just in, in his you know, normal fake outrage, uh, you know, talking about how Fonnie Willis is a hack. She's, you know, racist. She's all this, you know, if you're listening, uh, Mr. Graham, which I know you're not, but if someone can get this <laughs> If someone can get this message to him, Fonnie Willis right now has two RICO cases that involve young black men, rap groups, and she's prosecuting them based on their speech, their lyrics and songs. And I would love to hear you advocate for them that they should be let go um, because they're exercising free speech or that because... Fonnie Willis is a, a, a hack or racist or whatever you, you want to say. The reality is she's a damn good prosecutor. She's doing her job. Yeah. And everyone is selectively trying to point this out because they are drinking the Trump Kool-Aid. I have no idea why. Yeah. Oh, well, I do. Other, other than wanting to get, keep getting reelected. Um, but I, I wish that some of these... Um, and it's the last thing I'll say on this because I'll start ranting if I if I don't. But a lot of these presidential candidates, I would I would encourage you to exhibit just a little bit of courage. If you're looking to be the, the leader of the free world, if you're looking to uh, be the moral compass for the country, then step up and say this guy needs to drop out of the race. The, the more Republican leaders like a Lindsey Graham, like a – a, a speaker, um, what's his name? Good Lord, I keep thinking his name right now. Uh, Mitch McConnell, um, you know, all, all these different political leaders, the more you all coddle and act like this is a travesty, you're doing a disservice to half of the country because a half, almost a half, a third of the country is following you off cliffs like lemons. 
And, and you would do yourself and do our country great service by not eroding the trust we have in a complete system of justice just so you can have electoral success. Quit being a coward, grow a pair, and tell your voters the truth. It should not be that hard, but for some reason, courage evades you at every turn. Yeah, that is We we you know you, they'll bring up Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's been mentioned more time on Fox this morning than Trump. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, as as a Democrat, as someone who supports Joe Biden, if Hunter Biden did something wrong and broke the law, he, he needs to go to jail. jail. Yeah, he needs to go to jail. And and if Donald Trump broke the law, he needs to go to jail. You you can't you can't sit there and keep talking about Hunter Biden who may or may not have paid his taxes, may or may not have done other things. Um, and you want to bring up Joe Biden on impeachment for stuff that happened while he wasn't even in office. That's that's the funny part. The phone call that they're talking about and all this stuff happened in 2017 when he wasn't vice president or president. He was just Joe Biden. Uh, so it's it's a lot that, that, that needs to be, you know, Talked about in this, and I'm sure we will over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but look, we're we're at time. We're going to wrap. I do want to say one thing that just came across the wire. We've been talking about uh, Katie Renderly, the cop school teacher who was fired for yeah uh, reading a book, and it just came out uh, about an hour ago. The uh, tribunal uh, did not uphold the firing. Good. So it, that is great news. Their recommendations will go back to the school board. The school board will have a chance to act on Thursday. Um, so, Katie, we're still with you. We're still talking about it because it's Absolutely. still relevant. It's still news. And I am so glad that that panel uh, is is doing what's right. That's uh, great. And but look, let's end on a good note for sure. Yeah, that's why I wanted to save it for last. But, look, thank you, guys. We're going to keep following this. We just wanted to jump on and kind of give you the update of what's going on here in Georgia um, we got a lot more to discuss on this, and we will see you next time on Policy Matters.